calling all education entrepreneurs. Edspace is Europe's unique education innovation hub, including a shared workspace in London and a global network for everyone who wants to transform education. Pick from a range of membership packages to suit you, or attend one of our classes, workshops or meetups. To register, visit www.edspace.io and for an exclusive podcast one third off your first month when you sign up as a member, use the promo code PODCAST. and welcome to the EdTech Podcast. I'm Sophie Bailey. This week I took part in a What Was UKTI but now known as Department for International Trade webinar on UK EdTech exporting opportunities. Speaking alongside the department and Teach Pitch founder Aldo de Pap threw up some really interesting trends both in the UK and internationally, especially around China and the Gulf. For example, China spends more on education technology than the UK on education generally, and the UAE has the highest concentration of independent schools in the world. To find out more, check out the audio recording on the podcast feed, and I'll also be posting the full notes to the website and SlideShare page. Before we start, a quick shout out to this week's sponsor, Edspace. If you haven't been down to Edspace before in Hackney, definitely go and check them out and no doubt you'll bump into many of the EdTech startups and scale-ups you're familiar with. This week, I'm also excited to announce a new partnership with Education Technology Magazine and University Business Magazine. Education Technology Magazine distribute their news to over 30,000 educators and I'm delighted to be working with them to get the podcast out to even more innovators among schools and universities. This week on the EdTech Podcast, we have Charles Hardy, Education Lead from LinkedIn. Recorded at this year's EdTech Europe, this snappy podcast covers everything from the skills employees are looking for in students, a LinkedIn pilot project with Greater Manchester, endorsed by then Cabinet Office Minister and Paymaster General Matthew Hancock, what it's like to have a LinkedIn profile when you work at LinkedIn, and what Microsoft's intention to buy LinkedIn means for education. As always, let me know what you think of the podcast at Podcast EdTech on Twitter or via the Facebook or Instagram page. You can always rate and review on iTunes as well. And have a great week, everyone. So I'm sat here at EdTech Europe with Charles Hardy, who is an education evangelist at LinkedIn. Um, So Charles, you spoke uh, earlier today. Could you tell us a little bit about what you were talking about uh, here on your panel earlier? Yeah, sure. We were talking about online learning and, and skills development and how to bridge the skills gap and how technology was an enabler, but maybe not uh, 100% a silver bullet for everything, uh, that it was enabling reach and, and changing the whole landscape, uh, but there were certain things that need to be taken into consideration beyond that, such as the, the softer side of skills and what employers are looking for uh, is not necessarily all wrapped up into a profile and badging and certification for certain skills. Yep, so I think I saw a tweet of yours which was, uh, you know, tipping your hat at skills like uh, grit and resilience and yes. 
you know, you could have a fantastic CV online, but uh, if, if you can't connect with people one-to-one outside of your, your bedroom or your office, then that's not that much good. Yeah, exactly right. I think, you know, employers are looking for, particularly the, the audience I deal with, you know, students and young people entering the workforce for the first time. Uh, employers are not actually looking for them to know everything or have all the skills lined up for these jobs. They're looking for more potential of people who are going to come in uh, with the right approach uh, and you know the competencies and uh, I'm very interested myself in strengths uh, and how you develop certain strengths and you mentioned there you know grit determination these are the things that make people successful being tenacious uh, what I talk to to students and people a lot about is also enthusiasm demonstrating uh, a passion enthusiasm uh, an interest in a career path can take you a long way in an interview versus uh, necessarily your educational qualifications which in many ways no longer are providing the level of discernment that the employers are looking for. That, that's really interesting because I actually took part in a, a Twitter chat yesterday which was with FutureLearn and they're working with schools on you know exactly that so you know if you can show if you're trying to apply for a really competitive degree in um, a particular field of science or that kind of thing or psychology and if you can demonstrate that you've perhaps uh, undertaken a MOOC course in that area you know in, in a way that can demonstrate or on lynda.com that could demonstrate uh, <laughs> your passion for for that and, and, and sort of stand you out against other people potentially? Yeah, very much so. I, I work with students and career counsellors, advisors on how to make yourself look employable and pitch yourself and build a good profile on LinkedIn, of course. And it's not necessarily just about putting in the hard facts of what you have achieved, that you have a certain qualification or a degree, that you have got some work experience or an internship. These are all good things, they're the meat of it, but what you're also trying to convey is an interest in that career. How do you demonstrate that you're reading around the subject, that you're engaged with the subject area, and that could be something, you know, it could be through having certifications, it could be through sharing content. You're sharing news and information to your network and uh, that you're plugged into the right places, that you're following the right companies and organizations which people can see on your profile, that you're not just saying, you're interested in a career in finance that you're saying, yes, I've explored risk assessment and yeah. you know, getting down becoming into... Becoming an expert in that area. Well, but not necessarily even becoming an expert, to be honest. It's just demonstrating that you're thinking about it uh, and how some of your activities are bringing that to life. Not just saying, I'm interested, but how do you go beyond that and start yeah. to bring that to life? And just to go right back to the beginning, because I wasn't actually aware that your role within LinkedIn existed. So it was really interesting, and I found it really interesting when I when I um, saw that you were speaking here. And um, if you were to describe what it is you do, how would you do that? Yeah, and that, that's a good question actually, because I, I have sort of different hats on different days. Okay. Uh, but essentially, my role is all around helping students and young people get on LinkedIn and see the value of it. Yeah. Um, we've come quite a long way in the last three years that you know, if you went back three years time and you asked young people about LinkedIn, they would either say, I don't know what LinkedIn is or it'd be Facebook for old people. It's what you join when you've been in work for a few years. And, and when we're saying young people, what age bracket is that? Well, again, you know, my focus at the moment has been predominantly on university and higher ed. Yeah. Uh, but more and more, we're trying to showcase how we're relevant to school leavers in that 16 to 18 
age bracket that not expecting them to have an amazing LinkedIn profile or even a network of a thousand people, what we're seeing, but we have a lot of data and insight on different career paths. So you can see through LinkedIn, how did people get to certain jobs? Or if you study this, where could that lead? So, you know, with over 400 million members, we just have this, I know it's a cliche, big data, and it's trying to make that information accessible to people who are just starting out in their careers to help them make more informed decisions to sort of open eyes to maybe possible career paths they hadn't considered. Uh, if you study history, do you have to be a history teacher? No, actually, there's just a whole load of range of careers that people go into with different qualifications. And, and do, you, do you partner with any organisations, so for example, um, the Skills Agency or the National Apprenticeship Service and things like that, in terms of what they're trying to do with the skills gap and perhaps sort of plugging into some of those things? We're starting to have those conversations. Uh, I think it's how do we leverage our data to help those kind of bodies help other people. And uh, it, it's very much just starting off. And, you know, working with employers as well that start to cre- bring credibility to the data because they're encouraging their employees. Their employees help their brand, but they also help their employees individually. And it helps the bigger picture of, of, of what we're doing. So, for example, we did a, a big pilot project with Manchester last year okay. uh, where we worked with local government, local employers, local education uh, institutions, universities, uh, and looking to study you know, the skills and the roles and the opportunities in the region, where they were losing people. Maybe if, you know, people from Manchester studied in Newcastle. Did they come back to Manchester after they had graduated? People yeah. who who came to Manchester to study, did they stay? So Was ma- that particular patterns? And then working with those key employers on what, what were the, the, the main hi- you know, the, the main recruiters and hirers and employers, what are the key skills and where do they see that going? So we published that uh, at the start of this year and yeah. it's, it's a good demonstration of looking to work with a range of, of people and bring that together, but also leverage our data uh, more and more for insights uh, into a community or into a career sector uh, to, to help take that forward. And if people want to see that information, where can they find that? Uh, yeah, if you search you know, online for, for, for LinkedIn and Project Manchester, okay. uh, you'll find some information there. Um, I mean, you know, in terms of understanding a, g- a good illustration of, of the data we can provide, uh, I'd recommend looking at a university on LinkedIn. Uh, so we're sat here in North London. You know, if you looked up UCL uh, then or, or London Metropolitan, you could see the data is available to anyone on LinkedIn to explore the career paths of all the graduates on LinkedIn who studied at those institutions. And often it's around you know, hundreds of thousands of, of people on LinkedIn who studied at some of these universities. You can filter down and say, right, I just want to see the people who studied computing. Where are they working? Or history, as I mentioned. Where are they working now? What are the skills they have? Uh, that could be to give you ideas around career mm-hmm. options, or it could be to find people who might be able to help you. So we're very much around getting people in the Kevin Spacey quotation, send the elevator back down right. to the next generation. How can they help? And, and mentoring uh, through that. So can you find connections with people who've done, gone down a career path and particularly those warm connections of people who studied at your Same university, your university yeah. or course. Which has been going on for, for years. So now it's just, like I suppose, expediating that process of um, connecting with people who have 
similarities to you and are more willing to share because of alumni and things like this? Yeah, so definitely. I mean, none, none of this is really new stuff, theoretically. You know, we're just an enabler, really. Yeah. It's, you know, presenting yourself uh, effectively, a, a LinkedIn profile, that's not, it's not new. Networking is not new. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these you know ideas are just back it's back to where we started technology as an enabler to make them easier and more accessible so i have a question which is um if you work at linkedin you know is there a lot of pressure to have an amazing linkedin profile there certainly is at the start you know linkedin hires through linkedin and you, you would probably be a bit of a fool if you were applying to work there and you hadn't polished off your profile i think as you move through there's lots of things to inspire you to, to continue to evolve and I, I guess a deeper understanding of what we're trying to do internally uh, and what it all means. Um, but it, it's, it's not as if there's a, a profile police coming around <laughs> to your desk every day and, uh, okay. and tapping you on the knuckles if you haven't done an update. That's reassuring to know. I think, um, I think in some ways actually we're as guilty as the next person of not m continually refreshing and evolving a profile. I think it's very easy for people to think, okay, LinkedIn, every three years I'm going for a new job, I'm going to top up my profile. Um, what we're looking for are people to engage with it on, on almost a daily basis or a weekly basis. And one of the biggest developments on LinkedIn has been our content platform and how through following organizations and employers uh, and your own network uh, that your, your news feed is custom to you. Mm -hmm. around whatever your particular specialism or career or interests are uh, that you focused on that uh, and then with the mobile and we've had our we've had our mobile moment over 50 percent of our users now uh, are using mobile devices to access LinkedIn on a regular basis you know having that content that's provided to you that it's not just about getting a new job that it's it's content and insight uh, and discussion that's going to help you in your job yeah. be more productive be more successful develop so um a few things i suppose just thinking about your role in education um I, I'm, I'm not sure if uh, you'll have the data on this but um i know that for example platforms like pinterest and facebook are really popular with teachers and sometimes teachers aren't always on linkedin perhaps the senior leadership team would be more so um, and then again, you know, um, here we've had a lot of talk about how um, edtech investment is really flourishing in China, and then they have their own network. So how how do you deal with those challenges of, you know, if you're if a student looks to a teacher for advice, but they're not so familiar with with that platform? So are you also having to um, kind of educate, I suppose, educators to get on board. Yeah, very much so. Those influencers that that young people are look to 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 get advice on particular you know, careers and, and what to do next and you know it's a good point on the teachers uh, then they're, they're not the strongest demographic on LinkedIn yet but certainly they're very very important for us not just for that community and the mm. value we can bring to that community in itself and sharing information and resources and knowledge and opportunities uh, but also the the role they have in it in helping the next generation coming through and the value of what LinkedIn brings uh, to their employability, to research, to how they present themselves in a professional context. So, yeah, I mean, definitely we, we're looking to grow that, that community on LinkedIn and, and help them understand, you know, what LinkedIn can bring to them as individuals, to schools and to the, to the, the pupils they work with. It's, it's really, really important. Um, I mean, you referenced also 
China, and I guess is a, a, a bigger perspective on different countries and different platforms and things like that. Well, Ch China is our fastest growing country at the moment. Yeah. Uh, we've been on the ground there for a couple of years. Um, lots of specific localization and partnerships within the country uh, to look to, to drive that growth forward. Um, and it brings unique challenges uh, on what we're doing. So that exists in every country. You know, as we're looking to bring economic economic opportunity to to all our members and to all the workforce globally, you know, we, we continue to 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 push that forward, and and you'll see more localization in country as we adapt what we're doing to that cultural uh, the cultural niche or, or what they need. And are you seeing the user age drop as you encourage, um, say, sixteen to eighteen year olds onto LinkedIn? Very early days on the 16 to 18 yeah. group. Uh, I think in certain countries, that's probably more progressive than others. As I said earlier, I think it comes back. Last three years, we've been very focused on higher ed. Um, and you know, if we have approximately 50 million students, recent grads on LinkedIn. So that's where a, a huge growth has gone, fastest growing demographic group that we have. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'd like to see it as in the next step as we continue to move that earlier. Uh, but it's going it's to take time because, you know, we need the teachers on board. We need those influences. Um, uh, but as we grow that and as we've grown the data that's now available based on that student body, and if you think of a high proportion of the number of students leaving university are now on LinkedIn and continue to uh, update their careers, the data we have gets richer and richer. Uh, so that helps you know, all the way through, whether that helps employers, whether that helps universities understand the career paths and employability of their graduates, whether that helps 16 to 18-year-olds see where are people going and what are they going on to do. So, so when you go into schools or, or higher education institutions, uh, who do you connect with there? So people listening, I mean, is, is that... All, all yeah. sorts of people. So uh, a kind of priority the starting point is the career service okay, uh, and making sure that they're tooled up, comfortable and empowered to run LinkedIn clinics and one-to-ones with their students. Uh, and they see the value for the institution as well as the individuals. So, but, but certainly the careers, consultants, advisors is, is a core part of it. But actually when I'm talking to universities, I like to bring a lot of stakeholders together because they're often working in silo. Yeah. Uh, there's alumni relations, there's their comms, digital um, social media people who own their online branding, uh, who are talking a lot about attracting students. And, and, and retaining them as well, because that's a big problem at the moment, especially in the first term, just, you know, with dropouts and... Yeah, no, that, 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 that certainly is a consideration. And yeah. when you throw in fees and things like that, the, the weight of that. Um, so it, there's lots of different ways that we're now touching on educational institutions... Uh, in terms of their, you know, the, the data we have has become part of their brand in terms of understanding, well, where do all the people go who studied at these universities? Uh, and, and I think that's a bit of an evolution too, that their employees are part of their brand. So having LinkedIn profiles for their professors and their lecturers, that will help them attract PhD students, that will help them attract funding, that can help. And if they're also publishing, you know, content around their research mm. or what are they doing, you know. Interesting. The, whether it's for universities, whether it's for any institution, their people have a much bigger reach socially. Uh, 
and 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 so having your employees or even your alumni if you've got a hundred thousand alumni on linkedin like a university like ucl how do you leverage that as part of your branding is huge um so through things like groups or well yeah i mean there's groups for discussion forums and things like that but actually you know having having run a conference recently for for universities that bought some of these stakeholders together from careers working with current students with alumni working with past students from comms and marketing working with prospective bringing students in uh, you know some one of the big things is is, is content and how to engage these different audiences mm-hmm. um, and I think starting to think m- much more deeply about how they overlap uh, how they have a proper content and social media strategy of what they want to accomplish for all these different audiences and how alumni can help you hire someone into the university or how through that community you want to bring awareness to different career so so whatever career that could be if you probably have some alumni who work in it who are employed and have gone through can you bring them back through a group uh, can you connect them into current students or into a faculty uh, the connection with the lecturer and the teachers as well the more that you can embed that early, so take the graduating cohort of 2016. They have a LinkedIn profile. They understand the value to their own personal employability, but also their connection to their institution because their connection is for life, not just the three years they study there. And they're also connected to their lecturer as they leave. Five years later, the lecturer has each graduating cohort and they're out working at diverse and career paths employers but those connections are still there mm. and it's very easy to see where people have gone but also to bring them back and start bringing that uh, uh, knowledge experience relatable to the the current students mm. you know because these people have been through the same experience might have some interesting data on the uh, gender pay gap i'm thinking quite an interesting one especially in um, leadership in uh, schools at the moment as well gender pay gap i mean there's <laughs> lots of different things to explore and actually we from a linkedin perspective we tend not to be so strong on 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 the gender thing we don't ask for these kind of demographics of our members uh so we don't ask them to input their their gender or ethnicity or things like that yeah. so actually you've picked on one we're not yeah you know necessarily putting forward uh I suppose you could do a research analysis on. through uh, names, names that kind of and thing. things but, like that. but yeah, I mean, I, I think just in terms of targets and government moving towards transparency around some of these things, um, it's obviously quite interesting to some organizations to, to get a, a kind of picture or an industry picture on that. Well, transparency is a good yeah. word as well. I mean, that's part of what we're trying to bring is transparency of career path and, and the skills that you need, how you can develop those what you need to move forward if you want to work in a particular job, particular career. So I, I just had a thought. So um, obviously this week, um, and I'm not sure how much or, or not you can say about this, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. So um, obviously LinkedIn, there's, it looks to be acquired for 26.2 billion US dollars by Microsoft. Microsoft has a massive mission on education. How will that affect what, what your mission is here with LinkedIn? So yes, there was the announcement of the intent to buy. Uh, this week, uh, and you know, even even with smooth sailing, that would take all year to process. At the moment, I mean, this is only this is three days old. The announcement, uh, there's been no exploration at all. So I'm afraid I can't really talk about that, other than saying exciting potential opportunities. 
Okay, we'll keep our, our eyes on that one. What else are you going to do here today? Uh, yeah, I mean, I work for LinkedIn, so I'm going to say that's all for now, folks. Next week involved, we have South by Southwest uh, Edu exec producer Ron uh, Reed on the show. Like I know many of you will be thinking about your own panel uh, submissions via panel picker, uh, so make sure you tune in. Thanks yeah. for listening, everyone. Uh, presentations, meet people, and dissect all of that. So, uh, it's, it's, it is quite a challenge. Um, so yeah, just trying to get as much as I can out of today. Charles, thank you very much. For today. No pleasure. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot. Cheers.